Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T, to my bed crimers. Hi, how are you? I hope you're doing well. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out the channel. Do me a favor, if after watching the video you find you enjoyed it or you learned something, smash that like button and please consider subscribing. And if you want to support the work I do, please consider a membership. I keep the price really low, $1.99 a month. Hey, that's much less than even one drink from Starbucks. Now, without further ado, let's dig in. Well, hello there. Hi, bed crimers. Hi, anyone new. I just wanted to let you know that we are having some plumbing work done at the house today which means you are likely to hear some pounding in the background. I apologize, but I didn't want to not record. So it is what it is. A small independent movie, an old school Western to be exact, is being filmed on an expansive ranch known as the Bonanza Creek Ranch in the unforgiving desert terrain just outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico. Small and independent typically translates to a movie with a tight budget and schedule. This movie is no exception. It's called Rust, and its big-name actor is Alec Baldwin. Baldwin is also a producer on the film, a film that he considers his passion project. Baldwin conceived the storyline with the movie's writer and director, Joel Souza. For this film, the budget is between six and seven million dollars, and the schedule is just 21 days. Because of these two constraints, the producers have cut corners and are pushing the crew to work incredibly long days and to move as quickly as possible. The tight budget has led to some key crew roles being filled by individuals who haven't come armed with years of experience and maybe not as much maturity and professionalism as is required on a set where actual firearms are being used. Things take a tragic turn on October 21st, of 2021. The crew has just returned from lunch. The director, Joel Souza, and the cinematographer, Helena Hutchins, are blocking a tricky scene in the western town's rustic church. Inside the chapel, Alec Baldwin is seated on a wooden pew. He's practicing a move that involves a prop gun designed to replicate a solid-frame 45 caliber Colt revolver but don't let the word prop fool you. This is a real firearm, a replica of a Colt, and it can shoot real live bullets, as well as blanks and what are called dummy rounds. Although there's no reason to have actual weapons and actual live ammo on set, this production has both. Some people want as much authenticity on the film as they can get. The prop gun that Baldwin is holding can fire actual live rounds, as well as blanks and dummy rounds. FYI, a blank round has powder in it, but no projectile. The blanks make a sound boom, 
but nothing comes out of them. Think of a starting gun for a race. A dummy round is either plastic or metal, and it's designed to mimic the look of a real cartridge. These can be used to teach someone safely how to load and unload a firearm. So dummy rounds look more real in terms of their shape, but they don't fire at all. Now the safety rules when it comes to firearms on movie sets are stringent, and for good reason. You don't want anyone to be injured, or worse, to lose their life because of an accident on set. The person on a set responsible for the maintenance and distribution of firearms is called the armorer. Russ armorer Hannah Gutierrez-Reed has only worked on one other movie. However, her father, Thel Reed, is a legendary armorer in Hollywood, and he's supposedly loaded all of his knowledge into Hannah. Hannah has also been to film school, so she's not a complete rube. Back inside the church, the film's cinematographer, Helena Hutchins, is standing near the director, Joel Souza. They are peering through the camera and preparing for an up-close shot of Baldwin's hand, reaching into his holster, pulling out the Colt revolver, and then pointing it toward the camera. The weapon Baldwin is holding carries six rounds. They're all supposed to be dummy rounds, which means no projectile will come out of the weapon if the trigger is accidentally pulled. By now, the armorer should have verified that all six rounds are dummies. In addition, the assistant director, David Halls, should also have verified that each round is a dummy. Even Alec Baldwin is supposed to ask for a third check of the weapon. These protocols are in place to ensure no one is accidentally injured. Unfortunately, on this October day, no one has completed their rigorous safety protocol. They might have checked a few rounds in the revolver, but not all of them. And Rust's set, because of the fast pace, and because some crew members have just walked off the set over unsafe working conditions and a lack of adequate hotel rooms near the ranch, allegedly, the young armorer, Hannah Gutierrez, is being asked to do two jobs, that of an armorer and that of a prop assistant. The armorer position should be the only task that one person is in charge of, especially when actual weapons are being used. But on rust, Hannah's responsibilities are not only for the firearms, but also for other general props. For example, on this day, she's been asked to roll cowboy cigarettes. This means she maybe is not as attentive as she should be to the prop cart, where the weapons and the rounds are stored. And this situation has already led to three accidental discharge incidents on the set. For the first one, Baldwin's stunt double accidentally fired two blanks when he was told that a prop gun was cold, meaning it had no projectiles in it. In addition, the film's prop master, a young woman named Sarah Zachary, accidentally shot herself in the foot with a blank round. Thankfully, nobody's been seriously injured at least not yet. Now, you'd think that several accidental discharges would be enough to get the assistant director, David Halls, who's in charge of safety, 
to halt production to straighten up the safety protocols, but that didn't happen. It also appears that everyone is afraid to bring their concerns directly to Alec Baldwin. He's simply too big of a star, too intimidating, perhaps, for those lower on the totem pole. Back at the church, as Helena Hutchins gazes through the camera lens and Baldwin sits in the pew close to the church's entrance, something utterly shocking takes place. Sound and fury rock the intimate space. The noise is deafening. Without warning, at 1.46 p.m., when Alec Baldwin removes the cult from the holster, a live round, not a blank, not a dummy, is unleashed from the prop weapon. In an instant, cinematographer Helena Hutchins falls to the ground. She's been hit square in the chest. The projectile has traveled through her body and then hit director Joel Souza in the shoulder. Helena is alive, but in very serious condition. Souza also drops to the ground. He's screaming out expletives as he reels with the searing pain and tries to grasp what has just happened. Souza will luckily live to tell. Cinematographer Helena Hutchins might not be as lucky. It's now a chaotic cluster F inside the church. Someone dials 911. But this Wild West ghost town is out in the desert. It takes a little time for emergency personnel to arrive. As news of the horrific happening spreads among the crew, some people are scrambling to cover their derrieres. Those responsible for the weapons and rounds are, in particular, freaking out. The young armorist, Hannah Gutierrez, is in shock. She's apologizing. When the Santa Fe police arrive, they immediately jump into action. They want to, one, get a hold of the weapon that was fired. This process proves daunting, however, as it's not among those on the prop cart. Two, they want to ensure that no crew members leave the scene. This is counter to what one of the assistant directors has been advising. She felt the scene should be cleared as much as possible, but the cops want to interview those who witnessed the incident as well as anyone who was on the set. They want to find out about the production's overall adherence to firearm safety protocols. Some crew members will later tell the authorities that firearm safety protocols were not distributed with the call sheets. FYI, a call sheet is a document that shows the day's planned scenes and shots. Other crew members claim that a medic was absent during construction of the film's sets. Still others are upset with what they claim is a lack of adequate hotel rooms. Crew members allege that producers are only allowing local New Mexico crew courtesy room rentals after working 13 hours on the clock. Still others say that after work, they're left with only six hours to sleep after a long one-hour drive home. Their union contracts indicate a hotel room should be provided if the travel distance is more than 60 miles and if the crew members 
work 13 and a half hours or more on the set. Some crew members have been housed in Albuquerque, which is a one-hour drive to and from the ranch. Other crew members complain that they're not being paid on time. Back at the church, emergency personnel are trying to stabilize Helena Hutchins. A helicopter has arrived to whisk the young cinematographer to the University of New Mexico Hospital in Albuquerque, but they can't take off until Hutchins is stabilized. This takes precious time that Hutchins doesn't have. Once at the hospital, despite the efforts made to keep her alive, Hutchins, a married mother of a nine-year-old son, is pronounced dead. Director Joel Souza is treated by EMS and transported by an ambulance to Christus St. Vincent Regional Medical Center in Santa Fe, He's admitted for one day and then released. Production on Rust is suspended indefinitely. After the initial smoke clears, Baldwin sends out a tweet expressing his shock and sadness. On the day after the incident, the Santa Fe magistrate issues two search warrants. In an affidavit, the sheriff's office says that neither Halls nor Baldwin knew the weapon was loaded. Then, on October 27th, another search warrant is released. It says more than 600 items of evidence, including 500 rounds of ammo, which were a mix of blanks, dummy rounds, and suspected live rounds. The search warrant also states that a projectile from Sousa's shoulder was recovered and it is categorized as a, quote, suspected live round, end quote. Gutierrez Reed hires Jason Bowles as her attorney. On November 3rd, he gives a TV interview in which he suggests the incident was the result of sabotage, perhaps by a disgruntled crew member. But on November 10th, the Santa Fe District Attorney, Mary Carmack Altwise, says they don't have any proof of sabotage. On December 2nd of 2021, Alec Baldwin does an interview on ABC. Baldwin is likely concerned about his career and the stain such an incident could have on it. In August of 20. 2022, an FBI forensic testing and investigation of the weapon determines that the 45 Long Colt single action revolver could not have been fired without a trigger pull that is a quarter cocked, a half cocked, or fully cocked hammer position. A mechanical failure is ruled out. Baldwin maintains that he did not pull the trigger. In August of 2023, a second analysis of the weapon leads an expert to conclude the weapon could only have been fired by the pull of the trigger. Five months later, on January 19th of 2023, the New Mexico District Attorney says she will charge Alec Baldwin and Hannah Gutierrez-Reed with two counts each of involuntary manslaughter. David Halls, the assistant director, agrees to plead guilty to negligent use of a deadly weapon, and he receives a suspended sentence plus six months of probation. And on January 31st of 2023, Baldwin and Gutierrez-Reed are officially charged. If found guilty, they could be sentenced to five years in prison. Later, however, the charges are downgraded, which means that if they are convicted, Baldwin and Gutierrez-Reed 
would only face 18 months in prison. But three months later, on April 20th of 2023, Baldwin's attorneys announced that criminal charges against him have been dropped by prosecutors. The charges against Gutierrez-Reed, however, remain in place. On June 22nd of 2023, Anna Gutierrez-Reed received a second charge, this time for tampering with evidence. This was for allegedly asking another crew member to hold on to some narcotics for her. It turns out Gutierrez Reed attempted to conceal a small bag of white powder on the night of the fatal accident. Gutierrez Reed pleaded not guilty to both charges, and her trial is currently ongoing. And on October 17th of 2023, after felony charges were dropped against Baldwin, the prosecutors announced their intent to ask a grand jury to decide if Alec Baldwin should be criminally charged. On January 19th of 2024, exactly one year to the day that involuntary manslaughter charges were first announced against Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin was indicted on the charge of involuntary manslaughter. Baldwin pleaded not guilty and his trial is scheduled to run from July 9th through July 19th of 2024. Now, during Hannah Gutierrez-Reed's trial, the testimony is centering on, one, where did the live ammo come from, as in who supplied the ammo for the production, two, how the ammo and weapons were typically stored and stored on the day of the accident, three, why live ammo was even on the set, for what Gutierrez Reed did to verify the weapon was safe to use when it was given to Baldwin, five, who handed the weapon to Alec Baldwin. There seems to be a lot of he said, she said going on. The prosecution is trying to place the blame for the accident pretty much squarely on Gutierrez Reed and Baldwin. The defense is arguing that Gutierrez Reed was overloaded with her armory tasks as well as general prop tasks. They say she was adequately trained and that she's being used as a scapegoat by other parties who have more clout, are older, and don't want to take responsibility for their role in this accident. Until the next time, um, Bed Crime Stories. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know you already agreed to talk to us and everything, and that's great. Um, we're just going to go over the rights. She's going to read these to you um, as you understand them and just sign an initial, and then uh, if you read the bottom and agree to talk to us, you sign as you understand them, yes. Yeah, so first one, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say may be used against you in court or other proceedings. You have the right to consult with an attorney before making any statement or answering any questions, and you may have him or her present with you during questioning. You may have an attorney appointed to you to represent you if you cannot afford one or otherwise obtain one. Um, if you decide to answer any questions now with or without a lawyer, you have the right to stop questioning at any time or to stop questioning for the purpose of consulting a lawyer. So my only question is, am I being charged with something? No, we're just interviewing. Yeah. I thought that's what I'm, that's what I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not worried because I'm not, yeah. We, we have to do our job at advising you your rights write because my name this here? is an investigation. Yeah. Just the formality. You have to no, do it. You're here. You we appreciate it. What is today? It is the 21st of October. 
Well, what's interesting, not to digress on some commentary here, is that we've done this for two weeks and we did it the right way every day. Every day. You're on a set, you rehearse, they bring you what's called a cold gun. The gun is either completely empty, the chambers, or there is a cosmetic piece. So, for example, if you're the camera, and this is going to sound silly and specific, but if I'm pointing a gun close to the camera, you want to see into the cylinder that there's material in there, cosmetic material. So those rounds are cosmetic rounds. Mm -hmm. They put them in, and you rehearse, or even in a shot when you don't fire. Mm -hmm. I pull the gun, and you see there's some material inside the cylinder. They'd hand me a cold gun, no charges. They always hand you a cold gun with nothing in it to rehearse. And then, <coughs> when you shoot, and if you are shooting loads that are flash loads, and they're usually in three denominations, quarter, half, or full load rounds, so that the flash is bright, and the sound is loud, louder, loudest. Full load is loudest. So if you're outside, you want a full load bang, you want a loud sound. If you're inside, you can do a quarter load. Right before you shoot, everyone preps, crew puts the earplugs in, some put headphones on, the camera's there, very often there's a loose sight screen, but you're the camera operator and there's the camera, so I should always shoot off camera. You never shoot into the lens. And you shoot and there's a flash and a sound. Now, I went to lunch. She disarmed me. I sat she down. She being? Uh, Hannah, the, Hannah. Guard, the armaments person. I, when she was always handling the guns 99% of the time. So I would, uh, if I had a cosmetic rifle with no rounds, I would probably hand it to one of her assistants. I'm sitting there. She disarms me, we go to lunch, we come back for lunch, and they hand me the, the revolver, the, the Colt. And they, I just like so many, it's Hannah again. They, they arm me, mm -hmm. and you're assuming, as we've done every time, that it's a cold gun for the rehearsal. And I put the, the, the gag in the shot, you're the camera, because I have a coat, and I have a holster, and I pull the coat over, and I kind of cup my hands like I folded my hands. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to slowly sneak the revolver, the, the Colt, out, and turn and shoot these other guys, or try to shoot them. I take the coat over the thing, and the camera's there. I believe, my recollection is she was there, turned a bit, like talking to him. So her, I think she was hitting the right armpit. But this is all I know, and that is that I take the gun out in the rehearsal, really, he wants it very dramatic and very slow, kind of sneak mm -hmm. up on them. I take the gun out, and as I take, like, as it clears, as the barrel clears, the whole, turn and cock the gun over here. I turn and cock the gun, the gun goes off. Okay. It's supposed to be a cold gun. Nothing. No flash charges, nothing. Now, this is a puzzle to me. This is making me very emotional now, you know. But in my time, and I'm older now, but when I was younger and I was shooting guns and films, I've never seen a theatrical flash round where the material went through someone's armpit, came out their body, and hit somebody else in the shoulder. Yeah. I'm wondering if your department is prepared to go find out what comes out of his shoulder surgically. Is that a live round? That's what we are actually looking is at. Is that a lot? Because I don't, it doesn't make any sense otherwise. 